Women often wear many hats in life. Mother, daughter, wife, ex-wife, caregiver, mom taxi, chief cook and bottle washer. In most cases, we're doing all this while holding down a full-time job or even running our own companies. It's often high pressure and most always involves stress. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women in high-stress professions where we'll discuss how to manage the stress at work and at home so you can feel happier, healthier, and more successful. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. So today on Sprinting to Success, we have Nada Hogan. Nada Hogan is the CEO of her own company. She's a certified dream builder coach and life mastery consultant, as well as an acupuncturist and oriental medicine practitioner. Nada began her coaching career after the death of her 18-year-old daughter. It is her mission to help others work through and reconnect with their God-given power and purpose after the loss of a loved one. Welcome, Nada, to Sprint into Success podcast. Yay. (laughs) Thank you, Esme. I'm so blessed to be here. It's such an honor to be here with you. I am so grateful. Thank you. Oh, I am just really thankful that you were able to come and visit with us and, and talk about your life, you know, and so we're just going to start, start this. And, and I just, I, I heard the fact that your daughter died and at 18 years old. And so what was her name? And tell us a little bit about what happened. Yes. Oh, thank you, Esme. Her name is Dara. And yeah, she was, she was a good kid. She was just, she was 18 years old, just a couple months away from turning 19. And she was doing what she always does, something good for another person. A friend of hers had called and needed a ride home. And it was two, probably 2 a.m. in the morning. She just left a graduation party and was sober. She wasn't drinking. They were just having a happy graduation party. And she drove her friend home. And on her way home, a man ran a red light and Mm -hmm. um, hit and killed her instantly. Yeah. So it was, right, the news a parent never wants to hear. Right. And yeah, so it it kind of threw us into a tailspin for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So Oh, that is so sad. That is so sad. So how did you hear the news? Like, how did, the, how did they break that news to you? Oh, God. Wow. That's, yeah. I don't know if I've been ever asked that, Esme. What a great question. You know, it was so weird because my son at the time, he, her brother, my daughter's brother, uh, was 16 years old, and he just wasn't on such a wonderful path in his life. And so at 6 a.m., there was a knock on the door. And it was the, the police department. Two cops were standing at the door. And, and I was so angry because I knew my son had gotten to trouble. And he was in trouble with the law. And that's why the cops were there. And they came inside and sat down and, and talked. And I kept asking, you know, where's Tommy? Where's, just tell me where Tommy is at. And they just kept insisting to come inside and sit down. And I thought, wow, he must have done something really bad for the cops to be coming inside to sit down for a conversation. And right. so we sat down and, and they kept asking me questions about my daughter. And I was like, what on earth? Why are you asking me about her? Like the kind of car that she drove and all of this stuff. And I noticed sitting straight across from me, the other cop on his shirt, it was a, it was a police badge, but underneath it, it said chaplain. 
And then I realized, oh my God, I knew exactly why they were there. A parent worst nightmare. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I mean, it was, it's just, it's so funny because I know Steve Jobs was the one who said, you never can connect the dots going forward. You only can connect them going backwards. And I always have wondered later in, in later, you know, years down the road, because she's been, she, the accident was 10 and a half years ago. And I always wondered, what would that response be if my son wasn't in trouble and I wasn't used to seeing police officers or courtrooms, if a cop showed up at my door at 6 a.m., what my response would have been? Because I was so out of it thinking it was, it was my son. It was my right. son in trouble, not my daughter. And, and so it was such a it was so hard to wrap my head around it because I just, I was so focused on my son being in trouble, my son being in trouble. And yet they were here to tell me that, that my daughter had been killed in this car accident. So it was just so surreal as me. It was so surreal. Right. So when, when they told you, I mean, I could only imagine, you know, I mean, that like, did you even remember what, after they told you, what, what did you do? Like, what did you say? Like, what was your reaction? Yeah, you know, isn't that crazy? Because all I know is is when I recognized that the the gentleman sitting across from me, the policeman sitting across from me who had the the badge that said chaplain, the next thing I know, I mean, I don't even remember standing up. I was on the other side of my kitchen and I, I think I just kept saying, it, it just can't be, it just can't be, it just can't be. And then my husband came running out and said, what is going on? And then I, I had just told him, you know, Dara is dead. I, I mean, I just, I couldn't even believe that. And I, yeah. So I, I, I remember just kind of holding my head and, and like turning in circles, like what, what? Cause you just can't wrap your head around that. You just cannot wrap your head around it. it it's so, yeah, it, it, it just, it pulls oh. the world out from underneath your feet. Oh, definitely. Your life, you know, your daughter. And she was the one that you said you did not get into trouble. It was your son. That you didn't expect, you know. And so I I, I am just feeling so sad. How do you find the strength to continue after such a devastating loss? Well, this is the most interesting thing. You know, I I always had a a belief in God and a faith in God. I don't know if I had a good relationship with God because he always just seemed like, I, I would describe it as a mean Santa Claus. Like he always, right? He could see you when you're sleeping. He knew when you were awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And it just always seemed like like God was was punishing, not this loving God, that it was this punishing God. And so after after the accident, people had asked me, like, so, you know, you you could have no faith in God now, right? You have no faith in God. And it was so odd because I would respond with, I have more faith than I ever have had, and I have faith in a loving God. And I don't know how to explain that, Esme, except to say Mm -hmm. that I believe that there's a there's an, I, I often call it a knower in us. There's a knower in us. And I believe that it's the connection 
of us to source or us to God or infinite intelligence. I, I call it every kinds of, of different things, divine intelligence. Right. And I believe that we just have that connection. And it was almost as if when my heart broke, it mm. also broke open to see God in a completely different way because so much of it didn't make sense. You know, I mean, there's so many bad people in the world doing bad right. things. And this was a really good person who did really great things for other people. Right. So if there was this God in, in my mind, how I thought about it before, like, why would you take such a good person and leave others on this earth that are doing bad things and hurting other people? And it just didn't right. make sense to me. And so right. this relationship and my faith grew in such a different way where I started realizing, and through some events, and if we have time, I'll, I'll, I'll share at least one event that happened that kind of made my faith even stronger, but it just made me think that the God that I grew up with was not, was not the God that was happening right now, that, that there is a power that loves us and cares for us and this wasn't because she was doing something bad and this was a punishment to her or a punishment to me. It was, right. it was um, you know, some people say that we have soul agreements and that before we even come down onto this planet that we, we sign up for what we want our life to be and that right. I could have signed up and said, you know, sure, you know, I'll be the mom that, that has two children and one of them is, is taken at 18 years old and, and she was the other person who said, sure, I'll be that one that's 18 years old and, and does everything I need to do in my short 18 years and then, you know, take off back to heaven or source or wherever, you know, that energy goes to. I, I don't know if that's true, but there's parts of it that feel very true to me. But I can tell you this, one of the things that happened that was so astounding to me is when we went to the morgue to see her, you know, she was, she, so she was in a very bad car accident. I, I completely totaled her car. The, the man hit her car. Her car hit the, an SUV next to her. So she kind of got sandwiched in between these oh. two vehicles, completely totaled her car. And, and when we went to the morgue, I thought to see her, she was going to be so broken and bloody and beaten up and, and nothing. There was one little cut on her cheek and one little cut on her arm. Wow. And if somebody would have picked her up, and I, I kept saying this, if you were to pick her up and lay her on my couch at home, you would have thought she was just taking a nap. There, wow. you, there was nothing wrong. There was, she was not beaten, beaten up at all. And it's like, how could that be? And I mean, I was crying and I was sad and I was sobbing right. and you know, I was telling her how much I loved her, all of that stuff. But it was mm -hmm. a year later. And I, I live out in the country a little bit, and I was driving home, and so it's very quiet and peaceful out this way. And, and I just had this complete breakdown in the car, and I was hysterical, completely hysterical, and, and yelling, I didn't love her enough. I didn't love her enough, because if I would have loved her enough, I would have picked her up off of that cold metal table. I would have thrown her over my shoulder. I would have taken her into the car, and I would have demanded that we drove home. I, it would have been this huge hysterical scene at the, at the morgue, and I right. just was in this state of absolute hysterics 
crying and saying this. And as I'm saying this, I can feel and sense in the upper right hand corner of my car that it was her energy saying to me, if you would have done that, if you would have been hysterical and completely freaked out, then you never would have walked your talk. You, the words, the things you taught me for 18 years would not have been true because I always told the kids, they didn't experience a lot of death. They had, you know, one, one aunt the, who, who had passed away and their grandmother had passed away. And that was really the only death they had, had experienced in their 16 and 18 years. But I always told them there's a heaven that even though they're not here on this planet, they're right. not gone. There's a heaven right. and you will always connect with them. You'll always connect with them. And so we're sad and we grieve their loss, but they're not gone. So that was the message that I got back from her that if I would have had this complete hysterical breakdown in the morgue, then I wouldn't have been walking my talk at all. That her 18 years of everything that I said would have been a complete lie. Mm. And it was so amazing how I didn't hear it with my ears, although this presence was in the upper right-hand corner. I, I didn't hear it with my ears, but I, but I felt the presence and I heard it in my heart and it was just like, oh my God, that is completely true. That is completely true. It would have been, I would have lied to you for those 18 years and, and that wasn't yeah. true. And it was almost like God had taken over my body while I was at the morgue and even though right. I was crying and and sobbing, I wasn't hysterical. I wasn't, I didn't fall apart the way that I would have imagined that I would have been out of my mind crazy with it. Right. Is it because you know that she's going, going to a, 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 you know, a better place? Yeah. She, she said she's not gone, you yes. know, and she lives within you and you felt her presence. Yes, absolutely. And, and the part that's so cool about that is I didn't consciously know it at the, at the time. I didn't consciously know that at the morgue, right? Like, you know, you're, you consciously know you're standing there. You consciously know where you're at. But this whole thing happened on such a spiritual, deep level that, that it wasn't even a choice. It was like, like your heart beating or breathing. You don't have to think about it. It just happens. That's how this body works. And, and that's exactly what happened, that there was just a knowing inside of me that, that, that mm-hmm. she's not gone. Her physical body is. The container mm-hmm. that held her soul, that, that part will be gone, but her soul's never gone. Her energy's right. never gone. But I just right. didn't consciously know that at the time. But my inner knower absolutely knew that. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. And yes, and she lives within you. And it's really, it's, um, it's funny how with such a devastating loss of your daughter, you found a new passion. Yes. A passion to, to help others reconnect and to find their purpose and power after the loss of a loved one. Tell us about that. Oh, yeah. Well, I have to tell you, Esme, because if anybody would have told me prior to my daughter's accident that I would have a brand new life and a powerful life and this deeper connection to spirit or, or to God after this devastating event happening, I would have thought, you know, you're out of your mind. There's no way that would ever happen. But it did happen. And like I said, it, it, 
I didn't even make it happen. It was, I think it's just that God source that's inside of us. Right. And it, you know, and it was a process. I mean, I, I it, and, and it's still a process. There's still times I find myself grieving, but it's so different, oh, sure. so different now. And I just thought, oh my gosh, how people suffer all the time, not knowing that they have this connection to this power and presence that is always with us, that is always guiding us, right? Because right. it was with me all of those 18 years of her life. I just wasn't connecting with it. I felt like I was a victim to life, that life happened to me, not realizing that life is happening through me, that I'm a right. participant with life. I'm not a victim to life, right. but I didn't realize that till after the tragedy. And wow. so when knowing how, I think I've always been a happy person and a pretty optimistic person, but not really fulfilled and not really satisfied. And, and life was just kind of this mundane thing that you did and you just always tried to make the best out of it. And it, it, it was such a small way of living. And this whole brand new world opened up to me thanks to my daughter. Right. And I just thought everybody needs to know that you can live such a fulfilling and deep, rich, powerful, loving, joyful, blissful life. And it's right. with you all the time. You don't have to suffer a tragedy. You don't have to go through any traumas. You can connect with that just by being conscious and, and doing some work and taking some steps. You can connect with that and, and start living your life where you wake up in the morning and you just say, I love my life. I just yes. love my life. And I yes. find myself several times during the day saying how much I love my life. Right. And I didn't do that prior to the accident. I would occasionally in a, like right. something wonderful was happening, but definitely not on a daily basis. Right. So isn't that just such a, a crazy thing to happen? And for me, that's just God's way of showing us more and more all the time that, right, like challenges can come and tragedies can happen but something beautiful can come out of that that you never would have experienced otherwise. Right. And, and, and that's how this feels, is, is this the beautiful garden has grown and blossomed and bloomed because of my daughter and, and because of what happened. Right. Your passion, that's what came out of it. And yes. now you're helping, you're helping others yes. um, you know, in their time of loss and grief. So, so tell me, how do you help others? Like, What's, what's the journey in helping others find their power, find their strength, find their, uh, their inner greatness? Yeah. So people have to go through whatever grieving process they have to go through, right? So, so I, I don't normally work with people at the, at the acute onset of a loss because they're still trying to wrap their head around it. I mean, I'm right. certainly there for support, but it, it's when things settle down a little bit and they start realizing, okay, so I need to come to terms with what has just happened in my life because I'm still here and I want to be able to live my life. And the way it, it seems to always come up is I want to be able to live my life and honor the loved one who has left what we call too soon. We're the ones that say that says it's too soon. 
we don't know if it's really too soon, like, right? And that could be that soul contract. Right. So I help them when they're ready to come to terms with this is, this is how it is. This is my reality. And now what am I going to do with that? And right. so I help people decide what is going to be the most life-giving steps that you can take. So for me, I went from what I would call mom jobs, just, you know, nothing that really filled me up. It didn't bring me joy. It was get up, go to work, and you just go to work so you can come home and be done with your work. Right. And now I have a career where I get to every day feel alive and feel like I have a purpose and meaning by helping other people get past the obstacles and challenges that are in their life. So sometimes that's what it is. Some people find themselves saying, I don't want to go back to my old life. Nothing in my life is the same, but I don't know what step to take to start my new life. And so we work down that path and, and start really tapping into what would you love? Because vibrationally, love is the highest vibration. And if we can get into that state of what would I love? Maybe some people have gone on and, and they do a lot of work working in, in the grief counseling field. Other people have gone on and, and started a bakery or right. you know started a, opened up a, a business with a shoe shop. They've gone in all kinds of different directions and, and in ways that you never would expect. So it's helping people realize and come to terms, this is the facts, this is the reality. And what am I going to do? And then that's where we work together. What would you love? And how am I going to get there? And then we work together, setting up those steps, getting to that place that brings such fulfillment and joy and honoring the person that they lost. And I just think it is such a beautiful journey. Yes, definitely. So you are the CEO of your own company. Yes. So I want to ask you about stress. Now, how do you, how do you manage your stress at home and what, and doing a business? Yes. Well, (laughs) that's where coaches can come in very, very handy also, right? Because you, and you really have to be able to look at your life and say, these are the things that I'm doing for my career that I, that I love. So I love doing the one-on-one or group coaching. I love all of that. And then there's the business piece of it, right? So the stuff that's not so much fun, you're having to, to manage appointments and you know just all the back-end business stuff that, that is so different. So that's where I would find myself getting hung up and not being able to manage the stress because the business end of it was so stressful. How do I do this? And the way that I started addressing it is the business end of it is the, is the engine of my, of my work. So I can do my work, but if I don't take care of the business end of it, then nothing is, is going to happen. So I started embracing that this back end, taking care of paperwork, taking care of scheduling and computer stuff and all of that stuff that most people don't enjoy doing, right. is there's, I pour love into that because doing that is how I, I also help to serve my clients, that, right. that that becomes 
a client in itself and I, I meet it with love. And, and sometimes I have to just get up and get out of my house and go for a walk. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's the best way to handle stress. Something physical. Go for a run, go for a walk, move this body and, and move mm-hmm. that chi that's getting stuck in there. And, and get a mindset, that mental mindset of the, the back-end business is just as important as the person who's sitting in front of me who needs my help. Because if right. I can't take care of the business back end, I'm not going to have a client in front of me and then I'm not able to help anybody. Right. So, yeah. So that's how I do it. I just, I, I shower the, the work with love, the back end, the business. <laughs> I love that. Shower it with love. Yeah. That, so, that is so true. So then, so because you are, you are a CEO of your own company now, do you take your, your, you know, the stress of your business to your home life? There are times that I do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and in fact, I'll have to tell you today, I even did it today. And I, I didn't realize that I was doing it until I got really snippy with my husband because I was having mm-hmm. some computer issues. And that was a long fiasco. And I had to take three hours out of my day to go and have professional help with the computer. And right, right so it threw everything off track. And I wasn't aware enough that I was out of alignment with myself and the stress took over. So in that, it, it does happen. I try very hard to be aware and not allow that to happen, but it absolutely happened. And so in that case, because I think it happens to us, all, we do our best and sometimes we just don't stay on track. But it's not about beating ourselves up because then I think it just sets us back e- even further. So exactly. it's acknowledging that, yes, Three hours of my day were spent doing something that I would not have chosen for myself. But that's the fact. That's what I had to do. So now I need to look at that in a different light because those three hours are over. I'm not going to get those back. I need to look at that in a different light. So how can I shift my view of those three hours? Well, I got, I live in Minnesota, so I got to be in the Mall of America and see beautiful (laughs) Christmas decorations and all kinds of cultures, all kinds of people walking around and happy people and, and people just exercising and walking. It's like, it was great energy. It was great energy being there. And so just shift myself back into how blessed and how grateful I am that I can get into a car, drive to the Mall of America and and be in this big, huge, beautiful place and have somebody help me with my computer. Like why that really, when you look at it that way, there's no stress in that. Exactly. It's how you look at it. So you turn a negative into a positive. Yes. Say, I'm going to be here for three hours anyways. I might as well enjoy myself. Absolutely. You just <laughs> shift it, right? Absolutely. Right. And we have that ability to do it all the time. And I think what happens is we get into a rut and we get very used to doing the same old, same old, well, I don't want to do this, and this is frustrating, forgetting that we have the choice to say, I'm going to make the best of it because this is something that has to be done to run my business or just for to be happy when I'm at home. Right. So people who don't have their own business, if you just go to work and you're bringing the stress home, no, I can shift that. I can be grateful that I'm coming home to a family or I'm coming home to an empty house and just quiet where I can meditate and maybe do some yoga and just be quiet and get back into alignment with myself again. But we have that choice at 
any given moment, full dominion to feel any way that we want to feel. Full dominion. I love that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, that is awesome. So tell us about a time on your life journey that you failed and what did you learn from it? Oh boy. Time on my life. How many? <laughs> yeah, just tell us one. <laughs> it's, life is a journey. And uh, so, yeah, there's, a, there's, and we, in all our lives, we fail, you know, and, uh, and you know, but how did we pick ourselves up? Like what, and what did we learn from it? Right, right. Yeah. So gosh, I have many, but you know, I have to tell you the one that, that comes to mind is just exactly what, what happened today. And this isn't a big epic fall, but, but, but it, it's a fall and I need to apologize to my husband tomorrow morning because I didn't realize that I was feeling as stressed as I was feeling. And so we were having a conversation and I, I took everything and shifted it onto him and said, you know, you're getting all snippy with me. What's going on? And he's saying, I'm not getting snippy with you. And it's like, oh, yeah, you are. Well, right. So, you know, when you're having that conversation, you can feel that negative energy starting to rise. Right. So just that, because we have a really great, deep, rich relationship and he never got upset with me. And I just wanted to hang on to that anger, that stress, that frustration, right? because I didn't, even though my computer was fixed e enough to get by, it wasn't fixed completely. And so I know I'm not done with this journey. And technology <laughs> for me is always that thing that stresses me out to begin with. Right. So he just said, um, he goes to bed much earlier than me because of his work schedule. But he, as he was going to bed, he just said, I'm really sorry that, that you're stressed out with the computer and that you're just feeling bad. And it's like, yeah, 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 whatever. To me, that's a fail. That's a big fail because I have this person who loves me, who is willing to, instead of engaging in an argument with me because he's aware enough to know she's just stressed out right now and it, she's not picking on me to start a fight. She's just taking it out on me because she doesn't see. She's not aware in the moment. And, and that is my fail, that I should have seen it, that I, I should have caught it much quicker. And, and so the way that I, I fix that is he, when he wakes up in the morning, he will have a note from me that says, I apologize for the way that I uh, spoke to you and treated you because that was not at all how I meant for that to be. And it was my responsibility and I was much more stressed than what I realized. So that's how I would pick myself back up from that where I don't want to, right? Because right, a, a part of me, an old me, would say, oh my God, I did it again and I didn't see it. And how come I keep making the same mistake and blah, blah, blah. It gets us nowhere. It keeps right. us stuck in that energy and in that repetitive circle of, oh, I always mess it up. So when you recognize that you've messed it up, so I recognize that it, it was completely me. It really wasn't him being snippy at all. Then I'll leave a note or, you know, something and a phone call, follow it up with a phone call when I get up in the morning and and let him know I love you and thank you for how you handled it with me because you could beautiful. have been a jerk. Yeah, right, because we know that somebody's jerky to us and then we want to be jerky back to them and right. it gets you nowhere. Then you have two people totally mad. So he, he was aware. He took the high ground. I call it being a person of increase and instead of lowering his vibration and meeting right. me where, he was, where I was at, he just decided I'm going to keep a high vibration and realize she's just in a, in a bad space. And 
she'll get out of it and this will be okay. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank that you. Is, that is gorgeous. That's a, a way to have a great relationship with your spouse. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> nice. and you know what? It's amazing, Esme, because I, I actually learned that through this whole entire journey with my daughter. Wow. So, right. Who would, who would have ever expected that? This is the beauty of life. You right. just don't know what to expect, but it's always offering us growth and awareness and and the, the pure beauty and joy that we all should be living in all the time and with the bumps and bruises that go along with it because it's never going to be a 100% smooth ride and that would be boring. So Exactly. <laughs> oh, you're on a journey. So you're yeah. going to get some bumps and you get bruises and uh, you just yeah. have to say, okay, this is, this is what's happening now. I'm going to pick myself up. And that's powerful when you can yeah. pick yourself up and continue. Yeah, in a you know in a more powerful way. So I have the Esme signature question, and Ooh. this is it: Go back to a time to a younger Nada who felt afraid. What words of wisdom would you give her so she can believe in herself? Mm. I think that I would say, Ah, oh, sugar, you have more power and more potential in you than you could ever imagine. And the only thing that holds you back is limiting belief thoughts that are just, it's mind chatter. It's, It's words that don't serve you. So write down those words that don't serve you and on one sheet of paper, And on another sheet of paper, write down the complete opposite of what you have said on the words that don't serve you. And then burn the first sheet of paper (laughs) on those words that are not serving you. Because if I think if we're not aware of it, that that these words or things are going right, the mind chatter that who do you think you are and you can't do that and Right. right. Because ultimately, I think that we are all love. And I think we all show up in love. And then when we're hurt, we put that big protective shield in front of us. And we pretend like, you know, we're not vulnerable, or we can't be hurt. And, and it's just not true. I think we all have this big charade. So that's, that's what I would say is, girl, get that stuff out of you. It doesn't, right. it doesn't serve you. It's not the truth of you. You know, you are created in God's image. And honor that. Honor that. Mm-hmm. And this, this is another thing that I would say to her for sure. And I heard this from Jean Houston. I love Jean Houston. She had said, quit boring God. I love that. God, with that same story, it's old, it's boring. Come on, get on with it. Do something different. So, yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect advice. I have one last question for you. Sure. And um, so, I know you're very successful in your business, Mm. but what are you still struggling with now? Oh, you know, I, I think sometimes I struggle with. When people are still really hurting and struggling themselves, I think sometimes I struggle with, will I be able to come up with the right word? If I'm working with them, will I be able to come up with the right words to really touch that part of them that 
that can help to heal them, that can start the change, that can start the the part of them that would start believing a little bit stronger that there's more for them, that their that their child or loved one is safe and warm. I think that's a part that I I struggle with a lot because one of the one of the women who helped me the most on my journey when I was completely in a panic and um, she had lost her son twelve years prior to to my daughter and her son was much younger than my daughter and I just called in a complete panic and I just said. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. You have to tell me how to do this. And she was so honest with me and said, if I knew how to do this, I would be a millionaire because there, there is no way. There is no way of telling you how to do that. And so there was something healing in that that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and so my, my prayer is when I'm showing up for other people that I can say something that resonates with that person enough so they can just hold on a little a little bit tighter for one more day that it will feel a little bit more healed in one more day right. and so i think that that's been my biggest struggle is is knowing that that something will come to me divine intervention or whatever the the word is will come to me that i can help that one person right it's just about helping that one person one person at a time Yes. Yes. Well, Nada Hogan, thank you so much for this awesome interview. And um, I just really want to say I appreciate you and thank you again. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Esme. Yes, yes I, I am so grateful. Oh, thank you so much. So we can find all the information about Nada on EsmeLawrence.com website. So um, and we'll have the show notes um, about Nada. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, thank you. And And thank you for listening to SprintingToSuccess.com and have an amazing day. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Esme. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. That's E-S-M-I-E-L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E dot com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.